everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this is the third week of the Best Actress Goes to Sally Field Month, where Corey and I are exploring Sally Field movies that, in this case, neither of us have seen. Um, we are on our third one, uh, which is Places in the Heart, one of the most forgettable titles, in my opinion. Um, I keep screwing yeah. it up and doing Places of the Heart or Places for the Heart, but it's Places in the Heart from 1984, uh, where Sally Field wins her second Oscar. Um, this uh, podcast features Corey and I trying to narrow down our gap list. Um, we realized a while ago, about three years ago, that we had a lot of movies that we've purchased and we've wanted to see, but we just keep putting off. And this is our way of making sure that we finally watch some of these movies that we've just been missing out on. Uh, year two, we decided to start making each month a different theme so that all the movies have something to do with one another. And it's, it's also a lot of fun to um, kind of force our hand with certain genres or actors or directors um, that maybe we just need to really dive into. So we have a lot of fun uh, picking the movies every year. We don't always have fun watching them, and that will be what we discuss later in this episode. Before we get to the reviews and what we've been watching, we like to just check in with each other. So Corey, how you doing? I'm so glad today is over. I'm ready for the weekend. It's been a week. How are you? I had a crazy day today as well. Um, I had an incident in a class. Uh, I, I, I manage my classes like pretty well. And most of my kids generally want to be in my classroom. Um, it one, it's an elective. So nobody generally has to take my class. I mean, one of the graduation requirements is that they have to take a performing arts class and my class does count as a performing art. Um, so some people take my class just to fulfill that requirement. But still, it's it's a class that most people find some joy in at some point, you know, because they're watching movies. I try to be pretty diverse with my selection of movies, um, so there's usually something for everybody by the end of the year. Um, but, and then, like, I trust them to go film. Like, there's a, there's a lot that, over the years, I've had to build with my curriculum for high school kids to really be able to, to pull this off. And so, that, uh, that persona that I have as a teacher was proven today because I had to buzz the office to get an administrator to come to my room which doesn't happen very often and it it was so shocking to the office staff uh, that they went into panic mode even though everything was cool it was just it was a a situation where I knew somebody had to be punished and um, more severely than I would be able to handle in my room because like most of the time just a stern look is enough to like stop like someone back talking or whatever but this was like something I'm not going to get into what for, you know, legal type reasons. It's not appropriate for me to give any kind of details that someone could potentially discern what I'm talking about. But it was a uh, stressful situation, to say the least. And it, it made me proud that my office staff was so like, oh, my gosh, he never calls because I, I don't usually need to. Um, my students are, are generally good. Uh, like I said, they generally want to be there. And w- there is a respect that I give them and they give me back. Um, that I don't usually have anything, and this wasn't an issue with disrespect, this was, you know, high school students sometimes have conflict with one another, and it was something like that, and again, it was very minor when it really boils down to it, but for me, it was more than I'm used to having to, like, even think about, like, it's not something that usually happens in my, in my environment, um, because I've conditioned the environment in such a way, so, uh, it was, uh, it was, that kind of threw me off, because I'm so not used to it, so, like, the rest of the day felt weird, and it was, like, kind of surreal, like, I'm like, Am I, is this day real or am I dreaming all of this? Because it just couldn't have happened. Um, 
but yeah, you know, aside from that, um, nothing bad really happened. Well, my wife, you know, you know this because when you when she was in Idaho, she fell, but she fell in nope. snow, right? Oh well, we were being badasses and walking through like three feet of snow yeah but she still fell because that's what my wife is is not not the it's not even a grace thing she just loses her balance and um she went she took my daughter and one of her friends walking uh the lake and she freaking fell and like i think her wrist might be hurt and she's she doesn't want to go to the hospital um so like, does she know that she pays for insurance for a reason. Uh, yeah. Well, to be fair, though, the ER is still a $200 copay. Oh, like, it's, shit. It's not. Yeah. It's less, I guess, than what it would be without insurance. But, like, still, who's got 200 bucks? A, yeah. Especially if nothing is wrong. That's always the, I think, the, the, yeah. the, what, the penny-saving mindset is like, well, but if nothing's wrong. <laughs> like, I'm not yeah, leaving, I'm... you know, but. Yeah. Um, but in my eyes, like, she has, like, knee problems because she hurt her knee a few years back and never got it looked at. And this is just, like, another thing that I'm concerned with. And it, it's swollen. I just ha- I had her put an ice pack on it at least. But, you know, she, like, I, I love her. And I, I know she's stubborn and is going to be determined. But I, I she makes me worry. And I, you know, like, it's it's stressful when you worry and the other person's like, it's fine. You know, like. Um, but so that, that's the day's ending. Uh, but yeah, um, you had a tough day apparently too, but we got, are you, do you get off for a good Friday or no? No. Okay. I do. So I get a three day weekend. So not to brag. But. Uh, I know I'm at the point where I feel like I need a, per, like a mental health day. Like yep. I just need a day and yeah. I don't even, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say sometimes we, we legitimately need those. Yeah, and I, it's like I can't even think about that because I have that time coming off at the beginning of April, and mm. I have to request my time off so far, like a certain amount of time in advance anyway, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well. Yeah, and I, I've got, you know, the New York trip coming up. Uh, Dave and I are going to Tribeca Film Festival in 2019. Um, on May 1st, we fly out, and then we're there till May 5th. Just a week. We're actually, last year we went to the beginning of the festival. Uh, this year we're going to the end of the festival, um, and so I don't know how much different it's going to be. Um, I, I'm, you know, you never know. Is it going to be more stuff going on at the beginning, and then it kind of teeters off, or is it going to pick up at the end? Are more people going to be involved at the end? You know, like I'm not sure what to uh, expect, but I had a great time at last year's festival, so I'm looking forward to doing that this year. Um, when last we spoke, I was planning on hitting up the Florida Film Festival, um, and uh, I just, I, I just didn't end up doing it. Um, I still, ha- I still may go Friday or Saturday, but, um, I, I really love the Florida Film Festival. I think it's a great institution here. Uh, the theater that puts it on is a art house theater called the Enzian in Orlando that I think is excellent. Um, I love this theater. It's, I call it, and I call it lovingly a hipster mugs and movies. Um, because so you, it costs a lot more is what you're saying. Not exactly, but the food's a little fancier. Okay. So like. Okay. Like, let's say if Mugs and Movies was still open here, which it isn't, um, uh, you would have, like, a hamburger, right? Well, they have, like, a turkey burger with avocado. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's like, the next tier of food. Um, but they do have, like, chicken strips and fries. And you can't – there's not a way to get fancier with that. I guess that's not true. They have truffle oil on the fries. That's the fancy part. But um, the chicken strips are, are delicious, but they're chicken strips, you know, uh, with a nice honey mustard if you want. But – 
Um, but it's it's a little like the food's a little fancier. Um, the seats are are unique. I would say I don't think they're all very comfortable necessarily, but they're it, it has a a certain style to it, and I like the theater a lot. So I love the Florida Film Festival, but I don't love. And I, I'm going to say this. Uh, I hope I don't offend anyone there, but the way critics are treated during the actual festival days. Um, they do offer critics screenings the two weeks before the festival. I'm just not a full-time critic, so I don't have the time off to go in the morning and see two movies. Plus, it's a 45-minute drive at least. It's usually closer to an hour and 20 minutes because of Orlando traffic. Um, and for me to go to see only two movies... And not even, like, have a big selection of what movies are available for us to screen isn't something I'm going to take off of work for, for the critic screenings. So, in the past, what I've done is go on the, the when the festival's open, which we get a badge, but unlike South by Southwest and unlike the uh, Ebor Gasparilla Film Festival, um, they don't let our badge get in the same line as ticket purchasers. So, we're, like, second-class citizens who have to wait... And if there's any scraps left, we're given those. Um, in other words, they let everyone in who bought a ticket. And if there's any seats left, then they start the critic line. So my fear last year was that I would stand in line and not get into a movie that I wanted to see. So anytime I was afraid that that could happen, I bought a ticket. Because I wanted, you know, I'm there. I already drove to Orlando. I don't want to miss a movie. So Big Tuna is covering the festival. He got at least twice this past weekend where he was not able to get into the movie after waiting in line for like half an hour. And I don't have that kind of time. So I really wish um, the festival would do something different. I, I don't expect them to give us like, you know, I'm not asking for First. free stuff. Yeah. But if you, if you don't want to guarantee us access to the movies or at least let us, you know, if I'm willing to stand in line for half an hour to get into a movie, I should be able to get in is if I have a badge. Or limit how many movies I can see. Give me five tickets for free. Give me, you know, four tickets for free, three tickets for free. If you want coverage, if that's the whole idea of a critic's uh, badge, is that you want us to talk about your festival because that's how more people know about the festival and more people will come hopefully next year. That's the, the logic, I believe. Um, so if that's the case you got to make sure I can see the movies. And right now, there's no guarantee. So for me to drive an hour and a half and potentially not see anything, like, without spending money, is not worth it to me. And I don't mind spending money if it's a movie I want to see or I'm interested in, but I don't have a lot of money because my site, while we've been around and we get we get a pretty good readership, we don't make a lot of money doing this. Um, I make almost no money doing this. The money that I do get goes back into the site. So, you know, I, I don't have a lot of expendable income to do a bunch of festivals. And so, again, not a criticism of the festival itself or the people. I think the people there are trying uh, – they're trying to raise money for their, their cause. Like, this is, this is a big – like, this is the equivalent of Black Friday for a retail store. This is where they're going to make most of their money probably for the year. I get that, and I understand that, but – we have a purpose too, and while I again, I'm not even saying you should let us in for free. Don't don't have critic badges, you know. But I don't think the system that's in place is fair to anybody. I think it it it, it asks a lot of us, and more like in the past, at least we were like next to the line, so at least we could see. Now they put us outside, and we can't even see what the line it's looks like. It's hot as hell, and it is also hot. But I'm not gonna, you know, uh, 
South by Southwest is hot, and most of the theater lines are outside because that's how the the theaters are. They're like, that's what it is. So okay, fine. I'm outside, but I'm outside. I know, I know, but I'm outside, and I can't even see what it looks like. I can't make any kind of estimate as to how the line looks to know if I should even wait anymore. You know what I mean? Like I'm just literally blindly waiting for someone to go, good luck or too bad. You know, and I I don't. I, I refuse to do that right now. Like, I, I have so much going on. Um, there are plenty of other w- movies to see. And I really do. I love the festival. And I love the theater. I, I think the NZ is a great theater. If I lived closer, I wouldn't hesitate. But it, because of my drive. And again, I'm not some big publication. They probably don't care if I don't come realistically. But I, I, I would love to cover the festival. I, I've had a blast the last years. This year, I was so, like, I, I was so up for it. And then I was just like... God, I don't want to drive up there and then not get in, and I don't have you know I'm going. I know I'm going to Tribeca, so I'm not trying to spend a bunch of extra money. And then uh, I I decided last time I'm, I'm not going to go. And then uh, Sean messaged me, was like, "You probably made the right call." And I'm like, "Oh, so you know, uh, my fears were surprisingly uh, founded, which is a lot of times my fears are based on nothing more than my own paranoia, but." <laughs> Uh, this time, my paranoia has proven, yes, no, in fact, that is a very valid possibility because, right, rightfully so, the festival's bigger this year. It's been around for a little while now, so more people know about it, um, and uh, so more people are coming, which means there's less spots for critics to get into the movies. So, again, I think maybe reevaluating how we handle it. Um, South by, you get it, you stand in line with every other pat- badge holder as if you bought it. Um, same thing with Gasparilla, and Gasparilla is a smaller festival. But they give us a badge. If you're in, if you're the first in line, it doesn't matter how you got your badge. You're first in line with a badge. You're the first one to get in, um, and that makes sense to me. You know, if I'm willing to wait an extra half hour so I'm guaranteeing access to a movie, then I should get in first because I'm committing that kind of time. I'm not walking up with a ticket after like like the start time. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, so I I don't know. I'm just and on the other the flip side though, if if my paranoia is so much that I decide to buy a ticket and then I go into the movie and no one shows up except like, you know, like there's a bunch of empty seats and I realize I could have got in for free. I'm also mad. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause like, Oh, I didn't need to spend the money on this, but I did great. You know, like I'd rather know again, cause if I'm spending money and I know I'm, I'm this is such a stupid problem. I apologize for, for ranting about it, but I really, uh, I wanted to cover the festival. I ended up not going. And those are my reasons why. Um, but I do want to talk about what we have seen. Uh, Corey, have you seen anything other than Places in the Heart since the last time we spoke? Why, yes, sir, I have. Um, So I recently subscribed to Shudder. I'm trying to get on their PR list, so maybe we can have something for the site. They passed on my email to someone else. Maybe we'll hear back. But anyway, Um, which I talked to you about it, but I don't know if everybody else realizes that it's, uh, I'm pretty sure that it's like curated by AMC. So it's not just Mm -hmm. all low budget B flicks or, you know, things you've never heard of. Like there are legit films on here. I'm pretty sure they have the first five Halloween movies. Um, Hmm. so I, these are some that I've watched from Shudder. Um, I watched Let's Scare Jessica to Death horrible movie don't oh, waste okay. your time it's from like 1971 or something and i'm not ah. even like bashing the time i love movies from all over the place but eh. um it was supposed to be a psychological horror and it didn't touch it like didn't 
got it didn't get anything right. I watched a Korean horror horror film that I've had my eye on for a while, A Tale of Two Sisters, which was good, but I've already seen movies that do the same thing. But I don't know if they were the ones who did it first. Gotcha. With that same twist. I have about 30 minutes left of Halloween 3, oh. um, Season of the Witch. I'm a fan of that one. As bad as yeah. it is, I love that movie. Well, I think that I think that if they wouldn't have, because I read like the whole premise of that movie that they were going to try to have like an anthology movie series every year yep. or something, mm-hmm. but they weren't going to have Michael Myers in them. So just don't name them Halloween, because you're. Well, it's... but it, see that's the thing. People attach Myers to Halloween. Um, yeah. And I think their big mistake was doing a second movie with Michael Myers. Had they done. Like, if Halloween oh. 3 was Halloween 2, then maybe people don't assume Michael Myers will be in all of them. Um, the other catch, too, Fair. is that there is the mask connection, because he's wearing a Halloween mask, and the third movie has the the whole mask element, um, mm-hmm. which o- you almost expect to pay off. Like, maybe that's why Michael Myers went crazy, uh, but it doesn't. Um, it has no connection whatsoever to Michael Myers, except I think there's one scene in the movie where um, Halloween 2 is playing on a television. Yes! Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've also read about because I, I, I don't remember how old I was, but I, I think I was either in late in high school or early in college when I first saw it, and I was like binging all the Halloween movies. So like I watched Halloween one, I watched Halloween two. They were playing. It was probably Halloween. It was on like TV or whatever. And then Halloween three came on, and I'm like, what the heck is this? Where's Mike Myers? And then I became like obsessed. Like, what is this movie? You know? And <laughs> so I, I, I went. It was this was before Wikipedia, but I went on like probably like angelfire.com websites that were yes. fan made or something and read a bunch of like anything I could find because I was so oh my fascinated. God. So I um, forgot about that website. Oh man, yeah. Oh, uh, God. So um I of course watched our movie for the week, but last night on five dollar Tuesday, I mm. decided to take my chances and see us. Oh, you hadn't seen us yet. I didn't realize that. No. Um, so you aren't going to like what I'm, I'm about to say, even though you already know, uh, if anybody's listening, they're probably not going to like it either. I did not like Get Out, like, 0%. Which is not insane at all. to me. I don't understand that whatsoever. Not at all. Us? That shit was wild. Oh, it I was wild. The music was so good, like, the tension, the horror, everything, the comedy, mm-hmm. like, the dad... I don't even think it's a spoiler because I feel like it. The dad is the comic relief, and he just plays it so right. Like, I had such a good time. I think that we're gonna stop going to Five Dollar Tuesday though because oh. for some reason, even though this movie has been, I feel like it's been out for at least three a couple weeks. months. No, three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah, Holy, three weeks. okay, that's my bad then. I thought it had been out longer than that. So, but anyway, they had already moved it to one of our smaller screening rooms. Mm. So I don't understand why but anyway um i had such a good time with that movie i don't think that there's really any like chance i don't know i don't think that it would be as good to rewatch it but oh see i, I think really... it'd be really interesting to rewatch it without getting in we can't talk spoilers for yeah. this movie but i think because now you know something it would be, be really on cool. the lookout yeah you'd be kind of like oh oh look at that yeah now of course the, the catch would be does it hold up but um, I've listened to a few reviews where they have seen it multiple times, and uh, generally, I mean, the movies generally got positive reception from both audiences and critics. Um, there's a few out there, of course, who don't love it and or have nitpicky things. And, like, I feel like it's a story where if you start asking too many logical questions, 
uh, things won't hold up, but I don't think they're supposed to. And that's, I feel like that's, yes, that's, I feel like the genre kind of calls for that. It doesn't mean it can't make logical sense. Also, there's definitely horror films. Like, Green Room is a film that I think makes a lot of logical sense. And while it's classified as a thriller, it leans heavily into horror uh, in a lot of its visuals and stuff. But um, I, I, uh, I loved Us also, and... Um, I I love Get Out though, but I I do think Jordan Peele is the uh, a visionary director that we're going to get um, unique works from. I don't know that it will always be perfect, but I think we're always going to hear his voice in his movies. Where it's he's a horror auteur, something we don't get a lot of anymore. Um, I think Ari Aster with Hereditary and hopefully Summer or Midsummer this year, we're going to have a similar type of thing, um, and. Uh, you know, that's the funny thing is that I'm saying this and I'm loving both of these guys so far um, where I don't like a lot of the old school. Like, you know, um, I don't think I think uh, Dar- oh, God, Dar- Dar- Dario, oh, Dario Argento, Argento would fall into that category of like a horror auteur who's so far the works I've seen. I don't click with feel but, like there is any story to his movies and a movie doesn't have to have story technically, although I think both of us are very partial to that. And um I think that's where we both kind of disconnected from from uh, Suspiria. Um, I, I I'm definitely I am I know myself I'm heavy story. Uh, I I'm a I'm a storyteller and I like to uh, follow story. So yeah, I definitely disconnect from a film if I don't click with the story. There are some movies that I would say are light in story and I can get behind, um, but it's not it's it takes a lot for me to fall into a movie like that, but. Um, so I'm glad you liked us because I thought you were going to tell me you hated it, especially because you started with the get out thing. But, um... well, I wasn't going to go see it, you know, and it's so funny to hear the people who love like get out and then they hated us. Yeah. I mean, and I'm just like, but why? Yeah. I, well, I feel that way about get out, but, um, I, I don't know. I love both. I, I love his sense of tone that he's able to build. Um, a little bit of humor, but also with a lot of like genuine it, horror and yeah, it doesn't take away from that. It doesn't like feel disconnected at all. It just all yeah. flows so well. To me, it adds a sense of kind of like re- like realism to a degree because I, I'm I'm an awkward humor kind of a guy. If if I'm feeling uncomfortable, jokes are gonna fly from me, and that's like it's even even scared or like at, I. I have to bite my tongue in tense situations because I am inclined yeah. to make jokes that it's to make me feel less stressed, but it doesn't always make everyone else feel that way. So, um, like I, I totally work with that, but I can see why someone else who maybe the people who get mad at me for making those jokes wouldn't like the humor that is in us for those reasons. You know, they're like, Oh my God, that's not an approach. No one would act like that. And I'm sitting there going, like, I would act like that. Like, totally what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Actually, and I'm kidding. So yeah, exactly. So, um, well you had a better, it sounds like you had a better week overall with viewing. Well, that's not true. I only had one really bad viewing, but, um, I think I mentioned I was showing my students La La Land and Patterson last week. Um, so we finished those on Thursday. I uh, love both those movies. Um, Patterson was an interesting one with my students because, they seem to really love Adam Driver, but they weren't thrilled on, like, the pacing of the film, which, to me, I love the pacing of that film. I think it's very deliberately uh, set. They, they young students, not all, but many felt it was slow, um, but didn't dislike it. They just felt it was slow. Um, but I went and saw the new Hellboy movie uh, starring David Harbour. My review for that is up. Um, it is not good. It's It's pretty bad in most respects. Um, I didn't 
I didn't hate it while I was watching it, but I was like, this is awful. Um, but I was still like, okay, I'm still, it's still interesting enough because there's stuff going on that I'm interested in, but, um, there are some really bad sequences. Some of the CG is just horrid. Um, and I feel bad for Sasha Lane because she's such a good actress and she really shouldn't have been in this movie. Um, I think she should have, you know, just done another indie film that maybe people wouldn't see. She was in it? Yeah, yeah. She's so good. And she's not, she's not bad in this by any means, but it's like... She just seems out of place in a lot of ways because, like, I'm like, oh, but I know how good you are. Um, anyways, uh, it the funny thing, I went by myself to that one. Um, I did see our friend Rich, though, a uh, longtime friend of Corey and mine. Um, I miss her. Because he was at this movie. He had a better time than I did, I think, with it. But um, And there's there's two post-credit scenes in the movie, which is, like, a little, like, get, slow down there, movie. Like, you haven't even earned the possibility of a sequel just yet. But, um it did i kind of crazily uh, the next night my daughter and i uh, my wife was working and so we decided to watch a movie at home and we were gonna watch lord of the rings um because my daughter's never seen lord of the rings and i was really surprised i'm like are you sure because it's like a three-hour commitment and she's like yeah i'm like kind of dreading it because I, I i liked lord of the rings but i've every time i've tried to rewatch it i just can't it's just so long and i don't care i just also feel like that is definitely one that just you saw it in the theater and yeah. That seeing was it at good. home just isn't gonna touch I, it though i know i'm not gonna watch it for three hours i'm gonna be on my phone for 90 percent of that like there's no way i'm gonna sit oh, through man. there's so so many parts that are just so redundant um oh look they're walking again but um it's it is a great movie like i'm not saying it's not but it's just one i don't want to rewatch. but i was ready to watch it with her uh it wasn't on netflix anymore and i own it but I, apparently i don't own it digitally and my dvds were at the school because I have, like, a library checkout system for my film students. And so we didn't watch that. So then we're like, okay, what are we going to watch? And we ended up watching Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy, which oh. I, I had not seen since it came out, basically. Um, I really liked it. I actually liked it more this time, because I think when I watched it the first time, I was more, like, I wanted other comic book movies. Um, you know, more action and... Uh, this time, like, I, I'm a bigger Del Toro fan now than I was then. I definitely, I've seen m- almost all of his films, I think, now, if not all of them. And um, so I'm much more, fam- I've definitely, I've seen Cronus, I've seen, uh, you know, Devil's Backbone, I've taught Devil's Backbone, I've seen Pan's Labyrinth a few times, I've taught Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Crimson Peak I saw in the theater, I saw Shape of Water multiple times, my daughter's favorite movie from last year, um, or the year before. And uh, I'm very versed, and I love Pac Rim. I'm a big Pacific Rim fan. Um, so I, I've seen his mo- most of his works, if not, again, all of them. Uh, so rewatching Hellboy this time was really fun for me. I think she liked it. The only thing I noticed is Selma Blair is not a good actress. Like, I had a fonder memory of her than I, I'm watching. Like, oh, she could have been way better cast. Like, honestly, Winona would have been really good in that role, I think. Uh, I would have loved to see Winona Ryder in that she'd have to be not funny because some I, i've associated her later career with a lot of comedy um like she did some adam sandler movie uh she did uh mr deeds with him but straight straight like serious winona would have been really cool as the the fire girl uh, whose name i don't remember but um not to dwell on that movie but i enjoyed rewatching it the movie i really want to spend a moment on is uh stuck stuck uh officially came out in 2017 and it's been touring the festival circuit for a while and it's getting an official release date on April 19th. 
Um, it is a 85-minute musical uh, set in a subway, uh, a single subway car, I should say, in New York City. Um, stars Giancarlo Esposito, Amy Magdigan, um, Ashanti, Arden Cho, Omar Shaparo, or Shaparo, uh, Gerard Canonico, um, who is a uh, Broadway musical actor predominantly, and um, I this movie is like all up in my alley one it's a new york movie which i i really do love new york which is why i'm so excited about tribeca and i love new york movies now even more um two uh i'm growing to like musicals that have kind of poppy music and that's definitely what this is and then um the storytelling it's it's kind of like crash you remember crash we watched that a few months ago or maybe it's been a year i think it was a year ago we watched crash Mm-hmm. it's not like everybody's kind of interconnected but it felt kind of generic in crash this is a similar premise but the way it fits especially because it's a musical where you already are like suspending your disbelief because people are singing randomly it it was easier to kind of buy into like this interconnectivity that the movie was pushing and there is some melodrama and a little bit of over sentimentality but man it just clicked for me so perfectly i had a blast watching it um i had it on a screener uh, my review for it's going to be coming out uh, any day now on the site. So if you want to get more of my thoughts, but um, I I thought it was excellent and it it does uh, it's a very diverse cast, which is nice to see. And it's only six people for most of the movie, but there are uh, it does weave some flashbacks into it. But um, then uh, Corey, you're a fan of Childish Gambino, correct? Um, yeah, I haven't really seen him in a lot, and I haven't really checked out much of his newest music, but yeah. Okay, well, Donald Glover is an actor who I'm also a fan of. Um, he's just, a, I think he might be a genius. Um, yeah. He had a movie drop this weekend on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's a very short film. It's 55 minutes long, so it's in your wheelhouse. Um, it stars him. I, it co-stars Rihanna, but she doesn't get a whole lot to do. But she is. I think she's good in it. Um, but it is technically a musical, and she doesn't sing, so that's kind of weird to, like get this iconic like pop r&b pop singer and then not have her do anything with it um but he sings a lot and his uh some of his more recent songs are integrated into the narrative um i i had a blast i wouldn't say i had a blast i really enjoyed this movie and i was kind of i it was a movie that especially because of the length i ended up like really like going back to it and like rewatching scenes from it on prime um but if you skip that or you didn't know about it because like it did not get a big push um i highly recommend checking it out especially if you're a fan of uh this is america um one of his more recent songs and then i watched places in the heart and that's all so i think that leads us to that movie unless okay. Corey, you got anything else you want to say before we jump into it no i'm just so sorry I keep yawning guys i'm old Oh, it's so late, too. Oh, um, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're two hours ahead of me. It's oh, only God, 8, eight o'clock here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. Oh, that did I'm not sorry. make it better. Um, all right. So, again, we're in our Sally Field month. This is the uh, third movie of four that we're watching for the month of April. Um, Places in the Heart. Again, she wins her second Oscar. Uh, the IMDb plot summary reads, in Central Texas in the 1930s, a widow with two small children tries to run her small 40-acre farm with the help of two desperate or disparate people. Uh, has a 70 meta score, 7.4 IMDb user score. Um, star Sally Field, obviously. Lindsay Krauss, Ed Harris, Amy Madigan. Oh, crap. She's in Stuck. Oh. I didn't even put that together. Wow. Okay. Uh, 
that sorry my my mind was blown just now that this that happened uh john malkovich um and danny glover uh well i guess we'll throw the kids names in there uh they haven't done much else one of the kids names is possum i figured that was a nickname i know but it's the only name that's listed so it bothers me like uh, (laughs) oh and uh lane smith and terry o'quinn but i honestly don't know who terry o'quinn was um like, I don't know which guy he was, but I, I, he's from Lost. Um, I didn't recognize him, so I don't know if he was just, like, rushed through. Uh, but, okay. It's directed by Robert Benton, written by Robert Benton. Um, let's What we do, listeners, uh, I forgot to do this last week, so I'll remember today. We start with just our general thoughts, no spoilers, so this you're still safe to keep listening. And make maybe you'll make a decision on if you want to invest time and effort to see this movie because this was not one available on any streaming services that we could find uh we found it the cheapest way to get this is and next week's movie is a uh, four pack of dvds called date night uh, that we bought on amazon for under 10 bucks um it, it came also it's a four pack so you get uh places in the heart next week's movie which is murphy's romance seal magnolia and my best friend wedding so it's a pretty good pack for 10 bucks in my opinion so I didn't hesitate to buy that, but that's how we watched it this week. So if you're interested, uh, feel free to hit up Amazon, especially if you have Prime, because free shipping. Um, but we start with our spoiler-free review, and then once we are uh, satisfied with what we've said at that point, we will transition to spoiler uh, content, and Corey will give a thorough warning. So let's start, Corey. Um, I think I started last... I don't remember for sure, but let's let you start. What did you think of Places in the Heart? I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I think that I, I mean, I read the synopsis, and so that's all the whole idea that I, you know, that's the only thing that I knew about this movie, and it ended up having quite a few things in it that I wasn't expecting, even though I probably should have given the, you know, it was in the 30s. Um, well, you know, one I of mean, the things, I didn't, I guess I don't think of Texas as part of the South. Like, they're obviously a southern state. Like, I'm not, like, duh. But I guess because, one, history and time don't always click for me. But I I don't think of Texas as having the level of racism that, like... Because I guess when I think of, like, really southern states in the 30s that were uber racist, I think Missouri, Mississippi, um, Arkansas, Alabama. Yeah, exactly. That's what I remember. Because that's where Martin Luther King was fighting. I don't remember Texas being part of that conversation no we were learning i think and so i some of the the scenes in this film were i was like was that i was kind of shocked at some of the things that we see in the movie yeah and which that we're not gonna say what they are yet so it's not technically a spoiler but um there is some some racial tension in this film that i was not anticipating um and again i actually because of the racial tension i i wasn't thinking it was texas um and so, like, I, I had read the synopsis, but I forgot. But I read a couple of reviews today, and they mentioned Texas. And I'm like, the whole thing was in Texas? Because there's a, a character at some point says something about Houston. But I just thought they were, like, leaving, like, far away. And no, apparently it was just inside the same state, another city. Um, had Did not pick up on that. Uh, so, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, though, but uh, you were saying. Uh-huh. Oh, I really, 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 really loved her character. Um, and I'll talk more about that. Yeah later that's all i have to say oh okay so Corey liked it uh loved sally field's performance and character um i uh 
I am going to talk about the beginning of the movie a little. Um, you know, like, the dinner sequence is a little tense, and it's kind of awkward, because I can't tell, like, if her husband and her have this, like, if there's love or not, because it's very cold and, like, quiet at dinner. And then we find out he's the sheriff um, when the the guy says, hey, there's some, well, they say the N-word, uh, but not, not the bad, not as bad of the N-word, like, the more uh, a socially... At that at time, time. <laughs> yeah, at the time, socially kind N word, um, you know, it's the Spanish word for black, um, or at least a version of, uh, and so, still, like, I'm like, oh, okay, that's this is gonna be part of the movie then, um, and so he, the sheriff, gets his gun, gets his stuff, and they they go to where this uh, young black man is uh, drunk, and has a gun. Now, it's very tense when he's pulling up, and then when he sees who it is, it's this kid named Wiley. He's like, Wiley, are you drunk as a skunk? And he's like, yes, I am, officer. And it's all silly. And uh, he's like, you ready to come home? He's like, yeah, just a minute. And he throws the bottle and shoots at it. He shoots what appears to be all the bullets, because it fires like three times, and then the fourth time, nothing goes off. I am already seeing where this is going, and I'm like, oh, no. And he jokingly points the gun at the cop and shoots him. And a bullet comes out, surprising him and everybody else. Because, again, the gun had just not gone off. So there was a bullet. It was a, It's a revolver. One, one chamber was empty, apparently, and there was still a bullet in the gun. This all happens in the first, like, ten minutes at least. Maybe less. Uh, maybe first five minutes. And I was very, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's how this movie... Like, I was shocked because I, I, I don't know what to expect, like... I, I remember the plot summary had mentioned her, her husband not being there, but I didn't know we were going to see him die um, and end in such a freak accident. But then what makes this worse and where the movie really sets up how racist this area is, is one, I guess the tradition was to bring the body home after someone was killed because they don't bring him to like a hospital or a morgue. They bring the, the now dead sheriff to the house um, and put him on the dining room table. And I guess then they dress the body and get it ready for the funeral. Um, I wonder, too, if it has to do with it being during the Depression. Like, maybe. you know, not yeah, a lot it, of public funding. It's definitely, maybe that's the case. Um, insurance maybe wasn't a thing, or if it was, they couldn't afford it still. But, um, so, but then a car, a big, like, truck full of guys, white guys, pull up with Wiley tied to the back, dead being dragged in the dirt and that i i almost wanted to stop like i was just like oh i didn't know what this movie was um i had no idea we were going to be getting into that right like i didn't know that's the direction because again i don't think of that like i know like people make jokes about texans and stuff now with guns and things like that but i've never thought of texas as that part of the south because i don't remember learning about that area like with Jim Crow laws or with this during the civil rights movement people fighting in Texas over it so I, I've never associated Texas with that part of the south and so it was kind of like mind-boggling to me when I had to wrap my head around all of it but um the movie is problematic I think in a lot of ways I think uh Robert Ebert's uh Roger Ebert excuse me um review of this film from 1984 uh I read on his website this morning and I thought he second uh, a point that I was not sure if I should get like griped on, but I think Sally Field's story is very compelling, 
but I think the movie chooses to spend a lot of time with her sister and, and Ed Harris's character, her husband, that I don't fully understand why. I, I've, I was watching the movie like, why do we keep going back to these people? I don't see the significance of this at all. And I felt like there was plenty going on with Sally Field's character that we probably could have trimmed 20 minutes off of this movie easily. And I would have been okay because I don't think the narrative with Ed Harris's character, the affair that he's having, um, which is with the woman from Stuck, and then um, and her sister really pays off in any way that's meaningful. Um, that was that puts it necessary in the movie. And while we won't talk about the ending, I still have some questions about the ending. And this movie does have one of the worst tropes in Hollywood film. Um, or at least I believe it is a version of the trope that Spike Lee introduced in 2001, or at least that he named, um, which I will still say for spoilers because I do think it plays a lot, but I do think Sally Field was great. I think this is my favorite John Malkovich performance outside of being uh, John Malkovich. Um, did you like or dislike? I liked it. I liked a lot. And Danny Glover, too. And I was about to say, I, I am a sucker for Danny Glover. I think I don't know if I've seen a movie where I don't like him in it. Um one that I keep talking about was we with Tommy Brown uh, um, pushing dead uh, from a few uh, two years ago. Where he's the uh, he's James Roday's boss in that film, and I, he's so good. And his story in that is really great. Um, I love him in Lethal Weapon. Obviously, big Lethal Weapon fan, especially the first two. Um, he was in Sorry to Bother You uh, last year. A uh, very small part, but I, I loved him when he was in it. And um, yeah, I generally I need I've not seen Color Purple since He's i was like a kid a hole in that movie yes but i still think his performance is probably really really good um yeah. i i love danny glover and i i am i was very happy with him in this movie except i don't know if the character is written well for a trope reason which i will again i'm gonna hold off into spoilers before i get into all the reasons why um but that said i think we're ready for spoilers so Corey. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about Places in the Heart from 1984 in great detail. Da da da! You've been warned. Yep, and we told you how to purchase it. Um, well, we told you how we purchase it. I'm sure it might be online, but it probably is more money than I was willing to spend for it. Because again, I got four movies for ten bucks. And even if you didn't like any of the other ones, who doesn't like Steel Magnolias? And if you I say mean, you don't, we Steel Magnolias and My Best Friend's Wedding is is an underrated Julia Roberts rom com. Seen that in such a long time. I saw that in theaters, though. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm saying like it, it's it's a, for the box that we got is two fifty a movie. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, and again, I guess if you don't buy movies regularly, but if you're listening to this podcast, you, you got to be watching some movies, right? Like that's my my only function to think about. Um, so you know, I think it's a good deal. Again, do it how you got to do it. Um, I prefer don't bootleg it, but. Uh, especially because I don't know, I I can't find a whole lot about this. I wanted to like supplement what I'm about to say about the trope with someone else's article about it, but I don't think this movie is relevant enough to the culture that it, no one else seems to have seen this in years. Like it, most of the reviews I read are older. Um, it's Rotten Tomatoes stuff. Like there's only one rot, uh, rotten score. Everything else is uh, fresh. Um, I think the movie's a feel-good movie. I think you, you Sally Field is impossible not to root for um, because you give John Malkovich's character the fact that he's blind. I mean, you have a woman, a disabled veteran, and a black man in the racist South who are all fighting against the system, who is constantly telling them they can't do what they're doing. 
So you, you're going to root for them. It's impossible not to. The problem is uh, Spike Lee, and I'm, I hope I'm getting the year, I think in 2001 in a, uh, a college lesson or he was doing like a guest speaker or something, he, he started, he named a trope called the Magical Negro. I'm only saying that word because that is the name of the trope, just to be clear. And that was the word I was alluding to earlier, but I didn't want to say because I don't say that word normally, but this is the name of the trope. And the idea is that um, in Hollywood movies especially, white protagonists are given a black character who is really good at whatever it is the protagonist isn't good at in order to solve the problem for the white protagonist, usually at the cost of the black character's well-being in some capacity. They're not going to get anything good from this, or even doing this puts them at risk for harm. If that doesn't sound like Danny Glover's character Moses or Mose in this film, I, I don't know what does. Now, he's not technically magical in that he has no supernatural abilities, um, like you might think of like in The Green Mile, or um, I'm going to forget the other one that was referenced in the article I was reading about this, but um, this character... Uh, in fact, if you saw the new Pet Cemetery, that trope comes up again because the uh, the spirit guide is literally there to only help the white protagonist. It has no other function whatsoever. Um, but isn't that like even in the original one? Isn't that character still in that movie? Yeah, that's the that's the issue that I heard a critic bring up uh, that I thought was very valid. That character in the book and the original movie is a white character. That oh, is in it? This movie they intentionally change it to a black character creating the trope like the, it wasn't a trope uh, in the movie until they decided to do that change now had they changed jason clark uh into a black actor or maybe the whole family the next door neighbor or yeah or judd yeah uh, well judd still technically would qualify as the same because oh, he's still assisting the white protagonist in that case um again i'm all for like let's why can't Pet to... cemetery's family be <laughs> yeah. multiracial like why does it have to be a white family with white children like it, it didn't have to be so if you were going to make a racial change to like be more modern, there is your opportunity. Make the make the protagonist a different race. Doesn't have to be black. Make them Asian. I don't care. It didn't have to be boring ass Jason Clark. Sorry. Is it so boring horrible ass that Jason Clark? I just watched that the original one not too long ago, like just a few months ago. Uh, and I just can't even remember a lot of it. No, I don't. I, I I have not seen that movie since I was a kid, and I, I don't really want to rewatch it, just, it. But yeah, and I'm just not really sure why everyone's like. I mean, I see what you're saying about that character, but I didn't even yeah. remember that. So Mose shows up literally, like uh, he he shows up randomly, like it, it, you know he's not like someone she already knows. He's a quote unquote hobo, um, which they call him a couple times. He shows up looking for work. She says there's none. Well, actually, her sister says there's none. But she offers to feed him. Uh, but he has to eat outside because racism. And um, Also, I was thinking, though, that he's a man and they're women. That is a valid point. Um, but I do think uh, especially... There are other in the well, she lets other men in. Especially, like, the, the stigma that D.W. Griffith p- painted in his uh, horrific film birth of a nation um that came out in like the early 1900s i can't think of the year right now but um depicts like black men as all all black men are rapists and it, it's it literally forms the kkk uh essentially in that movie um which Spike Lee referenced at the end of black Klansman. uh technically spoiler i guess but um not really but a little bit 
Um, anyways, so this, this trope is there because he shows up saying, I, I noticed you have a lot of acres here. If we planted cotton, everything would be good. And then she's like, no, no. But then desperation hits because uh, the bank wants her to foreclose. They talking about giving up her kids to other, like her family, like, but, you like send one kid over here. But that happened then. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it it just, I don't want to, like, write it off or anything, but that wasn't an uncommon... Oh, yeah. I'm not... I, I It's a valid plot point in the movie, and I love her more for it, because she's like, no! Yeah. No way! Yeah. I well, just lost my husband. I'm not going to lose my kids, you know? Mm-hmm. It... Uh, and I just... I, I don't know... Like all the, there were so many male characters in this movie that tried to take advantage of her. Yes, yes, and, and not even sexually. No, like, they like, are tra- take her property, take her, uh, rip her off. You know, um, when she's selling her <laughs> cotton. Yeah. Even I think when she's buying the seeds, when maybe. she's buying the seeds, which is where he starts to really show his magical side because Solid. he leans in and says, "He's that's the wrong seed. He's charging you for the high seed." But he's giving you the crap, and so she says something. He's like, "You're right," and then he makes a like a really a racist comment. Um, but ultimately says like, you, "This is basically him saying, oh, this black man is not like all the other black man. He's quote unquote magical. He doesn't say magical, but it's essentially what he's saying. Like this guy he knows, knows what's what going on. About. Yes, he knows his stuff. So basically saying, if he's not there, she has no chance because the only opportunity she has to make enough money is to turn her empty land into a farm." Um, and they go with cotton because he knows everything there is about cotton. Um, and, like, again, there's this whole arc with her sister and Ed Harris, who, by the way, remember last week I said Ed Harris always plays a villain? Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's quite a villain in this, though. I mean, but he's having an affair, and he's he's definitely... He, he's You could argue that he's in love with the other girl or whatever, but it's like his best friend's wife, like... Who doesn't they play cards a together. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, excuse me. I was gonna say something that Go might ahead. not be. Oh. Don't shit where you eat. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Come no. on. It, it, that's it's even it's so, <laughs> and I love that the wife picks up on those little details. Like I I see there is an interesting story there, but it's played like so far away from the main plot, and I don't really see how it connects. Other I... than. No, I don't see how it connects. I'm not getting it. Um, I, I, I didn't not enjoy it though. I, I, I don't know. You yeah. are far more educated on this stuff than I am. I didn't feel yeah. like it like really took away, and it showed them at all these different functions together. You know, with the sister Edna. It, it just felt like fluff though. Like it didn't add to Sally Field's struggle. It didn't really tie back into the struggle. Like, it's just kind of... Because, again, you can have tangential story um, as long as there's some function of the overall... Like, why is it here? Is it to show the relationship with the sister and Sally Field? It's not. Is it, like... Is Ed Harris's character going to try to sleep with Sally Field now that she's single? He doesn't. You know, there's there's no tie-in. Um, it doesn't pay off where, like, he leaves her and so she... Like, Sally Field's sister joins her in the farm at least you know like if that had happened where at least the sister like i'm here to help now because screw that guy and now this is the only place that you know i'm leaving him so i don't have a place i want to live here and if we're going to do that we have to save the house that doesn't happen there's no tie-in to the main plot so it just feels like excess fluff 
Um, it's not, there's not a big conflicting moment where the sisters fight because of it or like Sally Field knew about it the whole time and never told her. So now she's mad. There's nothing. There's no connection. It is literally a separate story that could have been its own movie, but it's not. And if anything, I think it adds a, a, I also don't think it's necessarily a bad story. It just feels like, why are we cutting over to this when there's stuff happening I want to know more about Moe's. I want to know more. Honestly, I don't think I could get enough of John Malkovich learning to care about kids in this movie. Because... I... Oh, oh man. Go ahead. I mean, I, I... No, like, Malkovich is such a weird actor now. Like, he takes the weirdest roles. This role, he's a bit of a jerk when we meet him. He's he's blind, so he has, like, a... Almost like a chip on his shoulder. Because um, he's clearly... Uh, I think they don't say what caused the blindness but it's implied that he was in the military and now he's blind so something in the war happened well i love that these two characters she brings out the best in people agree like she uh danny glover's mose come you know comes to her and he i i don't want to say that it's okay that he stole her silver but exactly you know, and I'm pretty sure that we had already seen him like walking through town and he had stopped somewhere and gotten food and or some at someone's home and they gave him a meal and then he ended up stopping at her house and she gave him a meal. But she like brings out the best in him. And the same with Mr. Will. Like he is bitter and he pretty much tells her to stay out of his room and out of his way. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to have anything to do with her, but he just completely comes around. Both of them just come around. And well, I just, the, the like... fight they have when he, uh, the record, I guess the record scratched or something, um, and he comes running in to yell at her, like, I told you to keep these kids out of my room. If I had anywhere else to go, I'd leave right now. And, the, like, both of these people, I feel like they're so marginalized by society, too, mm-hmm. and she doesn't treat them that way ever and she takes up for them well she's marginalized too though because she's a widow like you have no man you have no say you don't you know you you have no life yeah you can't you can't make a living you you can't pay for your house so you need to go move in with somebody else you you have no prospects because you are a woman in the 1930s and that's not how society operates um and and i think it was even at one point alluded to like maybe we can find you another husband real fast um it, what they don't that does not a plot point like it doesn't become like where she dates a bunch of people or whatever but it's clear that society that she's living in does not look kindly on her as a widow so she's marginalized because she's a woman and now single um you know not her fault of course but uh he's blind so he's no longer fully functional in society and then moses black which at the time was obviously looked at as a non-functioning human um which is horrible or a tool i guess if depending on your perspective Oh, you're cutting out. Mr. Will comes... Oh, yeah. can you hear me now? Now I can, yes. Okay. Um, even the way that Mr. Will comes to live at her house, the guy from the bank acts like it's a business proposition, but we really just know that he doesn't want his brother-in-law in his house. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know... He's got the son-in-law money. dad vibe going on. Like, this guy's not so bad, but get him out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah um but so like that scene where he comes to yell at her she's in the bathtub <laughs> i 
love that. And he so he much. doesn't know she's in the bathtub because it's in the kitchen. Like it's not like in the bathroom. And he he doesn't realize until his hand hits water. And then that the look of awkwardness is so great because <laughs> so good. And I love she doesn't even like falter because she like at first she kind of like hides and then she realizes he's blind and he can't see anything. So she just she just fights with him like she's not in the bathtub and it's it's a funny scene. It's uh, it shows scene. both their characters, but the um. I, I loved when he starts taking to the kids and like uh, when the little boy gets a spanking. Um, one I think was Frank Junior, right? Is his name the kid's name? Yeah, I think um, yeah. That scene is so interesting because he gets in trouble for smoking at school, and then <laughs> he comes home and I love the conversation because the mom is so this is not her territory. This is the dad punished the kids, and so like would he spank you? And she's, he's like, yes. And he's so honest and so mature. Um, it'd probably be about 10 licks for this one. And she, we don't see it. Uh, we hear it and we see, um, possum hold, um, Will's hand, Mr. Will's hand or whatever it is. Like they're both kind of like, this is not good. And I love that. It's not paid for, it's not played for laughs. It is like this really dramatic moment. And she says, I'm never doing that again. Um, and, and you know, Frank Jr. is is rightfully he's hurt, he's embarrassed, but at the same time, he took it so maturely because he knows he did wrong and this is what happens. And um, man, I was I was really really impressed by that whole sequence. And then and Mr. Will, that's when you see him start to soften. Um, and he's like, "Are you okay?" And there's so many little scenes with him, but he gets this these really great hero moments. Um, Mose doesn't get as much to do as I wish he did, but he he does get to. He does help her achieve the goal of, of winning the cotton competition or being the first one there. And then she negotiates thanks to Moses training, but also her own determination and her kind of knowledge of the people in the town. She's able to get three, three, 3.75 cents per pound or something like that, which was more than market price. And like, but that triggers the worst part of the movie that isn't as bad as it could have been. But I totally thought it was going to be. Um, and that's the KKK showing up. Mm, I know that we've already been hearing all of this. I don't know. Uh, uh, I hate that word. But we're like, we see this racial tension, but I still wasn't expecting that to happen. Nope. And I was like, this is because of the damn cotton. Like, it is. It's 100%. One of the guys was the cotton guy. Yeah, and then when I thought it was going to go really bad, really, really, mm-hmm. really, it was bad, but I thought it was going to. Well, I hate how it starts because she's at like a dance, I think, uh, at that time, if I'm not for, mistaken. Will's and him are sitting in the house and they're like making a chair because Will does like, he makes chairs and he makes brooms and stuff. And um, he says, I hear something. And Mo says, No, nah, he has nothing. And he's like, No, I hear something. He's like, Oh, the light's on in the barn. I'm like, Okay, I don't like that. But I wasn't expecting the KKK, and when I saw, I'm like, "Oh my God, no, 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 no!" And there's like four of them, and Mose puts up a good fight for a few minutes, and I thought they were gonna kill Mose, and then Will comes running out on holding the string that they've got set up for him to help him like get around, and with the the sheriff's gun, um, and you know he's trying, and then the the KKK quickly realize that he can't see them, and start you know messing with him until he's out of bullets. And it's kind of a, a crazy replay of the beginning of the movie in a way, because he pulls the trigger, but this time no bullet comes out when he really needs a bullet. 
Um, and uh, but then his hearing and knowledge of the town pays off because he starts naming them, which I kind of like that jab at the KKK that like, sure, you're big and bad when no one knows who you are, but the second people know your name, you you run. That's why because they were heads. It's, it's that, it's almost like, I mean, this movie was written long before the internet was a thing, but that anon- anonymity, you know, like people will say whatever they want when they think they, they're not going to be held accountable, but the second accountability becomes a thing, people start acting differently and so yeah the second will says their names they they haul butt and he saved moses life um and it's a tough scene when will comes over to moses and moses crying and is in a lot of pain um but i i really i hated that scene but i do love that uh they didn't kill moses because i really thought we were gonna see moses killed same um so We jumped around a bit. The only other scene before the end I want to talk about real quick is the crazy tornado sequence. Um, We don't see the tornado, but we we are told that it's coming. Uh, It's, I think, the time where you see them become a family. When they're all, like, they're all trying to save each other. The little girl, Possum, like, was up in the attic and the window gets knocked out. And Will fights his way up to the attic to save Possum. Um, and then she's helping him down the stairs, which I thought was the sweetest thing. Yeah, you know, she's like, "Step down, step down," and like I it, loved that voice, John. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> thank but you so much. I, you know, I love uh, her helping him because he just saved her, and now she's saving him in return. Like, there's this reciprocation. She's a tough little kid, by the way, in the movie. I, I really like both the kids. Um, they didn't get a lot to do, but I thought they both did really, really great performances in the film. Um, just to throw that out there, because sometimes kids are awful. Um, but I thought in my favorite character, I think, in, in last week's movie was Megan. So, you know, good kid movies uh, the last two weeks. Um, but and then, you know, Frank is uh, there's the crazy woman in the car who's living out of her car. I'm sorry. The sign specifically says she's not crazy, but <laughs> that usually makes me on edge a little bit. You are you know? crazy. Um, but nonetheless, she tries to get Frank to come in the car to save him, not in a weird way. But uh, it, it turns out he made the right call not getting in the car because we later see the car flipped over and it looks like she's dead. So had he gone in the car, Frank probably Frank Jr. would not have survived. Because he, he runs all the way from school, right? Yeah, I think he runs all the way from school. Um, and he gets – he's almost not rescued and Moe's runs out to save him. So again, Moe saves a kid. Will saves a kid. And then uh, Sally Field's pulling them all in. Um, Edna, I keep, I haven't said her name, I don't think as the character, but they pull them into the, the storm shelter and they wait it out. But the damage that this movie does with the storm, even though we don't see a tornado, they tear some houses up in this. I don't know if they're miniatures that we're seeing ripped apart or if they had like a, a, a town they were demolishing or what, because there's a lot of destruction that this tornado causes, like, especially at the schoolhouse. Like, when you yeah. see, like, the wall rip, I'm like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what... I haven't looked into, like, the, the process they went through to make that, but I was kind of impressed with the, the storm damage that this movie shows. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, because it wasn't... I wasn't expecting... I mean, it makes sense to have a tornado in this area. Um... It doesn't do much for the plot except for the the character moment. I think that is when we solidify this this kind of ragtag group as a family. Um, you know, the the two men have replaced her husband, uh, not sexually, but as as a 
function of of being the male figures in her life for both the kids and for you know running the household she needs a male figure in this time period in order to be able to do everything that she's trying to do and they step in and fill that void there i do want to talk about the part where he asks her what she looks like oh my god that scene because he even like he's like can i bother you for a cup of tea he hasn't asked for anything and then like that moment to me showed how much he'd softened to her but like it's actually like him warming up to ask that question yeah um i don't i was just very impressed with his character like and then there's the scene where he's like and there's i think it's called like snapping peas i used to help my mom do that um you know like Mm -hmm. getting them ready for dinner and cooking he's like i heard that your sister is not a very good cook and if we don't intend to starve then he's like in their cooking and like helping with and i'm not saying that blind people are not able at all i can't imagine even going through my own home and not being able to see no yeah being blind or deaf for me is like too i mean i couldn't watch movies if i was blind which is something that i i cherish you know i truly enjoy so that's a fear and for a long time music was bet for me and so the idea of not being able to hear music was a, a horrible fear so um no disrespect at all intended but yeah i can't i i just can't imagine i just i wouldn't be able to do it i can't imagine how long it would take and he i feel like he was still kind of new there to know his way around so well uh-huh because it's a big house it is um he seems to have gotten the lay of the land pretty well, and we're with him for yeah. a little while. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to plant and then grow cotton, but it's several months that I believe we're with them. Um, and I something else, I she's just she's obviously so different from so many other people that I don't want to say these people, but they end up having to hire other people to help them pick all the cotton because they have to be the first ones to, you know, harvest, and he ends up finding the next morning he has this whole group of people there to help and she asks if they've had breakfast yet and then she like i mean it's during the depression and times are hard and she feeds people you know i i just really liked her character a lot agreed um now let's go to the last scene and then we'll wrap up the the episode um we end with this kind of fantasy scene that Roger Ebert points out is not earned, and I kind of agree with him, um, because one, we're showing like the whole town, and we haven't really spent a lot of time with the whole town. Um, like we see Ed Harris, and we see the sister, and they're all at communion, um, and then we get we get to Mose, and I'm like, oh my god, Mose is there, and he looks like he's okay, so he didn't leave after. All. I don't I don't know if we said that he tells her he has to go, and she gives him like good luck, go out there, be safe. Um, because again, the, the like, trope, don't let him go. Well, the trope indicates that he has to leave now because he's done his magical duty. He's helped her, and now he has to go. Um, again, fulfilling the, the the bad thing that Hollywood tended to do with with African American characters at the time. Um, so we see him, and he's I'm like he's in a white church. That's crazy. And then we see you know uh, Will takes the the wine, still blind though, so it's not like a full fantasy because it's not like he's got his eyes back. Um, which I think they should have done because of what's coming up next. Because then we see, you know, there's the wife, there the kids take the wine. And then, hey, look, there's her sheriff husband. And who's next to him but Wiley. And it ends on the two of them um, looking kind of like 
unsure. And that's the the key moment. I mean, the fact that um, Danny Glover's character Mose was in a church full of white people in a city where we know that that would not have happened, um, especially because when you think Norma Ray uh, was set in the seventies and the church would not <laughs> allow black people in it. Um, now that was North Carolina, but still, uh, you know, that's forty years later, and we also know that there is KKK in this town because of the previous scenes. So yeah, no way Danny Glover would have been in, or sorry, Mose would have been allowed into that church. So the fantasy's set there, and then when we end on the two dead guys uh, who are no longer dead in the scene, um, I'm I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. Um, yeah, and I. Uh, I, I wasn't like sometimes I like it's me I don't get it but Ebert also seemed pretty like the scene isn't it, it's not earned it's showing this like picture as everybody comes together eventually kind of thing and it's like how did the movie set this up it doesn't make sense it should have ended with him leaving and that being like enough and I kind of agree because I, I don't see the significance now the song at the beginning of the movie and the song playing in the church are the same so there's this bookend kind of uh, set up there but again i don't i don't see the framing device being a payoff i don't know if there's some significance to that song and that could be my fault um but i, I don't love how it ends no and at first i thought that he had decided not to go or that she had talked him into not going which i wish she would have yeah that's what i thought too i was like oh this is their their way of saying that he decided to stay and i feel like they need each other to a degree um so i would have loved that but um yeah, so I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I didn't love how it ended. Again, overall though, I I the movie started. And I was kind of not interested in the whole thing. I had a last night was kind of crazy, and we I, I had started the movie really late, and I was kind of like, oh man, this is a, it's not super long, but it's still like I'm gonna be staying up later than I want to um, in order to finish it. And so like when it started, I was kind of like, oh man, I don't know if I'm into this. Um, and then, like, by the end, though, I was so, like, I loved Edna, I loved Moe's, I loved Will, I loved the kids. Um, I still was, I wasn't, I, ne I never hated, like, the Ed Harris storyline, but I also, I was just like, this feels so unnecessary. Um, and when it ended, I was like, okay, I think I really liked this movie, and I can totally see why she won the Oscar again. Um, and, man, well, Sally Field was, could be such a powerhouse and then we look. I look back at the movie from last week, and it's like, what the hell happened in the '90s? We don't know what happened with that movie at all. Yeah. We don't know. It's from right. the Twilight Zone. Yeah, but <laughs> I think I'm ready to give my uh, final rating. Do you? Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Um, I. Oh, I'm still gonna go with not quite golden pony boy. That's where I'm at too. Um, I don't think it's a must see film. I do think it is a. Uh, I almost think it's a better film than it maybe should be um especially because i do think there is some problematic stuff in it i mentioned the the trope um i you know obviously the subject matter is tough and i don't know that it uh condemns the behavior enough either like the racism it's just kind of like oh yeah well that's just what it is it's like well true that is what it was but i don't it, this movie wasn't made then this movie's made in the 80s maybe condemn that behavior more make them look awful a little bit more um but uh, I did. I love the characters, and so the sentimentality of the movie won me over. So not quite golden. Um, I have. So I forgot to mention this when we were talking about what we've watched, and then you talked about the tornado, and then I remembered. Oh, did you watch Wizard of Oz? The wind. 
No, I oh, watched the, the wind. wind. The wind, yes. Yeah, it was okay, guys. Okay, it so was fine. Nothing to write home about. Um, no, I you didn't watch it. I did not. I I almost was able to make it, but I yeah no I didn't get. Yeah, through. it was um, fine. <laughs> so, that's our review of Places in the Heart, a movie title that I still think is not great. Um, no, but next week is our last Sally Field movie for this uh, theme, at least. I'm sure we'll end up watching another film with her in it at some point. Um, Never again. I'm kidding. Hello, my name is Doris is on the... No, uh, Murphy's Romance from, uh, is our movie for the last week. Uh, it's 1985. Um, this that was a great plot, year. This plot synopsis is awful. Um, Emma is a divorced woman with a teenage son who moves into a small town and tries to make a go of a horse ranch. So that's similar. Um, you know, this time <sighs> she's single and trying to make a horse ranch instead of a cotton Why farm. Is she... What um, was our first movie? I can't remember. Norma Ray. Why is she always a single woman? Um, I think that was kind of maybe a trope that uh, to have a female lead, she had to not have a man in her life. Um, okay, fair. Um, but it seems to be at least with these movies. Uh, Murphy is the widowed town druggist who steers business her way. Things are going along predictably <laughs> until her ex-husband shows up, needing a place to stay. The three of them form an intricate circle with Emma's son liking Murphy but desperately wanting his father back. This movie sounds very convoluted, but um, it has a 7.0 user score on IMDb. It does not have a critic score. Uh, Star Sally Field, of course. James Garner as Murphy. Um, I'm assuming their last name's Moriarty. That's weird. Sherlock Holmes is going to come and fight. Um, Brian Kerwin is uh, the husband and Corey's favorite, Corey Haim is the son, Jake Moriarty. <laughs> yes. Um, we also get Dennis Berkeley, George Ann Johnson, Dorothy Duckworth, and that looks like the la the list. Uh, directed by Martin Ritt and written by Max Schott, who wrote the uh, novella. Uh, or I don't know if he wrote the novella. I guess he wrote the novella. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. He wrote the novella that the screenplay is written by Harriet Frank Jr. and Irving Ravtech. Rav Ravetch. I guess Ravetch. Um, man, it looks like such an 80s movie, too. Like, flipping through the pictures, it's like, Just wow. when you think you've found the right guy, someone even worse comes along. Yeah, it's it's a comedy-drama-romance. I like rom-coms a lot. This doesn't look like it's gonna be very good to me, but, you know, who knows? Um, I'm hopeful. I like Sally Field enough. Uh, maybe it'll work. Um, who knows? Uh... <laughs> I love the feathered hair. Yeah, it's it's everything about it screams like '80s VHS too, because the the quality of the images look like this was filmed on a video camera and not on film. But I could be wrong. But it has oh, that man. it has that aesthetic. Um, yeah, man, those balloons look like penises. Um, oh god, I'm trying to find the balloons. Oh, I just found them. It's like a birthday party. You see what I'm talking about? Like over on the window. I'm out of here. Um, but. Uh, anyways folks uh if you liked the movie we'd love to hear your thoughts or if you didn't like the movie or if you didn't like what we had to say about it or if you think i'm wrong about the trope that i i spent a lot of time on tell me why i i feel like i did my research and that i'm correct in that it, it qualifies um but either way we'd love to hear your thoughts you can follow us on, on uh social media at burke reviews for me and Corey. at Corey r star two r's on the end um, we'll be back next week with our full review of Murphy's Romance. And until then, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.
Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight Show's filmtastic selection of podcasts. Covering the entire movie-verse, there's something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.